Hello and welcome. My name is Tim. I am called Axial. And I'm Herfy Durfy. And this, well, this is Go Mode. Link to the Past Randomizer podcast. Guys, I'm thinking I might need to extend our opening theme song music a little bit because these intros are getting longer and longer. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're putting our spins on it. And when I was editing the last episode, as I put it together, I was like, man, there is, uh, it feels like the, the music cut out a little too early. But here's a fun fact for those of you who may not have known. Um, I, I wrote that and it pretty much stops right where it fades out because I knew we would only need enough to, you know, play a little bit of it and then fade out. So there does not exist any more music than what is written, but maybe there should. Yeah, but, big shout yeah. outs to you, by the way. I think that's an yeah. amazing piece of music. I, I oh, want you. I want the ten hour, you know, YouTube video <laughs> version of yes. it. Yes. Twenty hours really chill edition. chill and study beats. Timps yeah, uh, link to the past uh, to, to, yeah. remixes. Yeah, I'm down for that. With with just like a single uh looping animation of, of uh Link with some headphones on studying, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, uh yeah, I'll get right to work on that, guys. Okay, <laughs> Writing good. music takes Thank you. I, I do appreciate that. Writing music takes a long time, and I do have an idea of like what it would sound like if there was a full piece. So maybe one of these days I'll sit down and write the whole thing if if there's any demand for that. But um, yeah, let's go ahead and do some news. So we we had a uh, a pretty long episode last time. It was two and a half hours long. Yeah, it was we're pretty not, crazy. Yeah, we're not going to do that again. We're going to try to keep it a little tighter for you. Um, Misery Meyer, not quite as complicated as Ice Palace, uh, and not not quite as much news to talk about, but we do have some. So let's go ahead and start, as always, with the main tournament, the Fall 2018 tournament. Uh, we are in the final two. It is down to the final two. Uh, and we have, as our final two in this tournament, Andy, ALG Andy, and Thelaine. So they are going at it this week, uh, and I believe next week probably as well, to figure out who's going to be the champion of this tournament. Um, so questions for you guys. Did you happen to get a chance to check out any of the quarterfinal tournaments, and what do you guys think about this final matchup? Uh, I unfortunately only got to see one of the Korik versus the Lane games, and uh, they were crazy close. And as you can see from the results as well, if you look on the challenge page, the Lane barely edged out Korik, winning 3-2. to two. So it was really wow. close. They managed to play all five games. They were really, you know, kind of on par skill level-wise and how they played it out. And uh, it, it's pretty fun to watch. I can only recommend everyone watch pretty much any of those five games. Pick out the game mode which you like the most and just watch it and it's going to be worth your while. Wow, yeah. I, when I saw that was 3-2, I was amazed. Yeah, I uh, unfortunately missed most all the uh, quarterfinal matches because the uh, times when they were out, I just kind of couldn't fit into the schedule. But I do have that on my sort of uh, to-do list when I'm uh, hopefully uh, getting some free time because uh, yeah. <clears throat> finally trying to get back in the randomizer groove and of course, uh, I found this amazingly ironic and hilarious. We talked so much about uh, Ice Palace Go Mode last time and how it's utterly worthless trying to do if you didn't get the Ice Palace Bomb Jump. And I just oh. did a seed, and guess what happened? 
<laughs> well, you you did post in our Discord a few times, saying something mm-hmm. to the effect of like, guys, don't be like me. Practice your IPPJ, please. <laughs> so, and then like a link falling down emoji or something like that. Yeah. So when I'm I'm drilling the IP. DJ, I might just throw those on in the background because uh, it can be a little boring. <laughs> That's the best way to learn a lesson, you know. Is, mm-hmm. is yep. You do it a hundred times it. in a row. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's the best way to learn anything. But yeah. ha- having it happen to you at the least convenient time is a very good motivator to make sure it never happens. Yeah, I think I think I lost like twenty five minutes on that seed. I went from what was probably going to be a sub one thirty to barely eking out a like 155 wow oh man yeah it was unpleasant well i've been there too yeah i've i've definitely failed the ippj and really regretted it and then took it back into the shop like i like i said in last episode i have to practice it every now and then or else that happens um i got to check out game three of the willard j bradley versus alg andy um, I didn't watch the whole thing. Unfortunately, it, it was very close. As you know, both these runners are incredible. Um, it was very close, but and I don't even remember the exact situation that caused this. But it was a um, it, it was an insane difficulty. I think all dungeon enemizer. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Willard J. Bradley, because of the equipment they had, ended up doing a boomerang Armos night. And it took like five minutes. <laughs> the dream! Oh, it's the always dream. fun to see. I'm sure it wasn't fun for him, but, you know, as a watcher. No. Um, I, was, there was, I was a little confused about the plan of attack because they also had fighter sword. And they did use a few fighter sword slashes, but they were really... Really uh, relying on that boomerang to get it done, and, th- and they did have sort of a cool like juggle strat where they were juggling them back, you know, two of them just like against the wall back and forth. But I'm not sure if that was actually faster than the fighter sword. I don't know. I, I he's uh, obviously much much better player than I am, so I, I trust that there's probably some really good reason that that he would do that. But uh, um, by the yeah. sounds of it, I was I I obviously don't know. Maybe I can ask him or something. But by the sounds of it, it sounds. Like he was just doing it for the memes. That is possible. There was definitely speculation about that mm-hmm. you know, from commentary and in chat that he was just doing it because he he knew, you know maybe knew that he didn't have much of a chance to to come out on top being you know two games behind and just wanted to put on a good show, which I can certainly appreciate. Um, the commentators also mentioned something about in Armos Night um, if you can sort of stun one of them and not let them get into their circle pattern, it won't move on to its next phase. So it could have been that he was deliberately trying to keep them away from that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But um, it was it was definitely a treat to, to see a boomerang Armos Night. And um, yeah, that was the only one that I got to see. Um, and we're recording this on Sunday, February 10th. And I believe there's a match, maybe two matches scheduled before this episode posts on Wednesday. Um, so you you might see one of them with a slight advantage over the other, but I have a feeling they're going to really draw these matches out. Um, you know, since we are taking a break coming up, um, you know, really savor these last you know three to five matches over the course of the next few weeks. I think would be a really great strategy. Not to mention, poor you know these poor runners have been playing for so long. Like, let's give them a little bit of breathing room now that they've made it to the final two. You know, 
Yeah, I'm not sure how long they can still drag it out. I think we do have a deadline by which we really finally want to be done with this. And while I agree with what you're saying, I think there's an equal amount of, oh, I just want to be done with this finally from the runners. <laughs> yeah, so that's I'm, fair. You know, I am i don't know. We'll, we'll see. Matches, there's two matches scheduled right now as I'm looking on the on the schedule. They're both scheduled for today, today being the Sunday that we're oh, recording. Okay. And uh, we'll, we'll have to see where the others are. There's uh, apparently a game three for Willard versus Korek, which is for the third place Bronze. finisher. It's it's currently uh, on the challenge. It's currently at 1-0 for Korek. And this says it's game three. So I'm assuming Willard won the second one, uh, which might not have been recorded on challenge yet. Yeah. And uh, then there's game one for the finals, obviously, which is scheduled today at 530 uh, it's an all-dungeon standard Uncle Assured Hard Key Sanity, which, uh, you know, not the worst combination of modes you could think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, uh, definitely not the best combo either. It should be a uh, much more uh, challenging match than, uh, you know, a, a typical one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll try to catch some of those. Obviously, we'll keep everyone updated on who comes out on top. Yo, Tim here, and I am obsessed with giving you the most up-to-date info on this tournament as possible. So, here's the latest. Oh, and by the way, Herf was totally right. This thing is just about wrapped up now. Okay, Tuesday, February 12th, Tulane took on Andy in Game 3, pulled out the victory by about 3 minutes. So, GG to Tulane, keeping this thing alive. We're at 2-1 now, Andy Tulane. In the post-race interview, Tulane was kind enough to share with us the details for Game 4. So, here they are. Wednesday, February 13th, that's the day that this podcast releases, at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, all dungeons, open, Uncle Assured, hard, Enemizer. So if you're someone who listens to this podcast the day that it releases and you're free at 3.30, that's Eastern Palace Time, as McCann would say, uh, be sure to check that out, and of course, if the lane wins the February 13th match, be sure to check the master schedule, which I will link in the description, to see when Game 5 is scheduled, and then check that one out if it happens, because let me tell you, if this thing goes to a Game 5, it's going to be Alright, unpause. Um, any other final thoughts about the Fall 2018 tournament before we move on to updates on some of these other ones? I mean, given this is probably the last time we're going to talk about it while it's ongoing, it was uh, really fun to participate way back in September in the fall fires. <laughs> um, yeah. So I hope everybody out there in Rando World has enjoyed it, and uh, I think it'll be nice to have a little break, because then when the next tournament starts up, I think we're going to be all the more hungry for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I can really only say, as an admin, I'm glad to finally be done with it. Not in a negative <laughs> way, but it's been going on for so long, and it's taken up a lot of my time. Thankfully, the you know the further we get into the tournament, the less stressful it gets, just because there's less players and less matches to take care of and everything. But I'm I'm glad when once we're done with it, and I'm glad when we finally have a winner, and I'm also glad we decided to take a little break afterwards. There's plenty of tournaments uh, of, for, from, you know, community organized to the Reddit tournament to whatever else we can think of that we will probably report on in some fashion. So uh, tournaments won't be running out, but the official tournament is taking a break, and I'm personally very glad for that decision. 
Yeah. And there's weeklies and, you know, I think there might even be people that do dailies, you know, and the, you, there's, you know, just classic downloading a seat and playing it, you know, mm-hmm. just for fun or on voice chat with friends. So there's still plenty of opportunity for randomizer. I too am looking forward to the break. Um, definitely going to make a point to, if I can't watch one of these finals matches live, then at the very least, you know, catch the VOD as soon as I can. Try not to get spoiled on the outcome. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, this is it. This is this is like the Super Bowl of Randomizer, really. I mean, it's the main tournament. It's gone on this long. We've got two clearly insanely good runners. Like, these are the ones to watch. So, um, you know, keep, keep, keep yourself updated on when they're scheduled. Um, you know, check the Speed Gaming. Check the Randomizer Discord. Um, and, and try to check these out because they are guaranteed to be quality. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, some important updates in uh, other tournament news. We have the SMZ3 uh, tournament. That one I wanted to mention specifically, as you'll recall, there's uh, there's actually cash uh, prizes on the line for this one. And it is officially finished. And guess who our winner of $400 is? None other than Andy. Oh, it wasn't so. wasn't me. I I <laughs> thought maybe they would just give it to me for you know being such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. You thought when I started to say eh, like for Andy, you thought I was gonna be like X. Yep, you thought I was gonna I, say X. I uh, I really got excited there. So. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to inform you, you you unfortunately did not win four hundred dollars for playing a randomized version of A Link to the Past and Super Metroid that I did that- enter. No, you didn't enter. Yeah. That's probably probably a big reason. You know, one of the main facts why you didn't win. Probably. Uh, but Andy, uh, congrats to Andy. I mean, four hundred dollars for playing some Super Nintendo games. Uh, he edged out Os One Hundred One, um, who I, I had the uh, pleasure of commentating one of their matches in the fall tournament, as I mentioned. Um, so GG to Andy. Very impressive. Also, um, still still need to play the bronze match, but we've got BD Solsky and Hintaka um, that are going to be playing for third place there. So congrats to all three of you. Um, as I've said in the past, anytime someone's getting paid to play any version of Legend of Zelda uh, Link to the Past, I think it's worth us talking about. So GG to all of those involved. And then let's move on to the Challenge Cup. Uh, I need to issue a formal apology on Go Mode here to Frostbite3030, um, who I've been hyping up for the last two to three months about you know how incredible they are and how unstoppable they are and then they popped into the go mode discord and they were like hey stop putting so much pressure on me and i'm sorry to report that they have been eliminated from the tournament and i can't help but feel partially responsible for that so i am i'm <laughs> very sorry to frostbite 3030 yes my apologies I, my intentions were pure and good but i'm sorry if i put any undue stress on you um, we have Chizame, or Chizame, I think it's Chizame, we decided, and Espeon65536 in the final two for this one. So this one's also down in the final two. I thought it was really cool how they were able to simultaneously kind of time that with the fall tournament as well. Yeah. So, it, uh, what, it, what do you guys it, think? Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty amazing that it worked out that way. I uh, want to give big props to these guys for actually sticking it out, you know, making it work. It was kind of a... Spur of the moment thing to even think up this tournament once the <coughs> fall fires were over, and uh, it worked out a lot better than I expected to be honest. I really thought they'd fall flat on their faces because they didn't really know what they were getting into, and there were some issues in the beginning, but it all worked out nicely. And now they're also down to the final two, so big props to them, and congrats, of course, to Chisame or Chisame and Espion for making it to the final two. 
Yeah, I think it was, again, a, a nice success, and it's nice to kind of have the, uh, to, yeah, I want to, once again, use sports metaphors, the, uh, the AAA league to the, you know, major league of the, uh, the main fall tournament, uh, so you can see some more up-and-coming runners, some folks who maybe haven't gotten some exposure. Uh, I thought it was great. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, you know, to Herb's point, I think that, the group rounds, like, you know, I explained some of the uh, wonkery that was occurring there. I mean, really, the the thing that even got me into the bracket I was was pretty, pretty whack, you know, <laughs> as we discussed. But I think the group round was helpful to sort of, um, you know, I think there were a lot of really talented runners that were eliminated in group rounds for sure. You know, there were definitely very competitive groups in there. But I think there were also a lot of groups where, you know, people who maybe weren't as serious about actually following through with all of this which we found that was the case with with quite a few they were pretty much eliminated in that stage so by the time we got to these brackets like everyone's here to play it's like oh i'm in a bracket oh well crap i better like practice and schedule this and like actually do it you know so um i think i think getting to the bracket stage really uh helped improve the quality of how how the challenge cup ran overall and I'm legitimately uh, interested and excited to see who, who wins this one. So props to the admins for seeing this whole thing through and look forward to uh, their next endeavor. Yep. Cool. Um, in way of tournaments, I think that pretty much sums it up. The only other thing that I wanted to talk about here. Oh, I guess real quick, actually. Um, have we heard any updates about this uh, Plando tournament? I've seen a little bit of scuttlebutt here and there, but what have you guys heard? Um, I'm not super deep into it. I know that it's been ongoing and it's sort of working out. I mean, I've, I've kind of talked about what I think is not great last time, I believe. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's going. And uh, probably the biggest news piece that I want to quickly mention for that is that one of our listeners, Mr. Ninban, my good old friend, uh, managed to completely break everything by putting the moon pearl on the Ether tablet. <laughs> yeah uh, and yeah, that, how about that this is so this is such this, a cool story yeah this is great yeah it's uh well we there's currently a buck in version 30 where um swords and stuff and progression cannot be on the tablets it's uh i'm personally not super familiar with all the background stuff and how it works and how it doesn't work and stuff but it's there's a, a bug in there and uh, if you, with a customizer or with the Plando force progression on the tablets, the fill algorithm gets really confused. And what ended up happening in that seed is that it put pretty much just everything that you need to finish the game only in the light world. Because since it didn't, you know, recognize the moon pearl as progression on the tablet, it was like, oh, I guess you can't get to that tablet unless you have pretty much everything you need to clear the seat already anyway so i'm just gonna front load the seat like crazy put everything in the light world and uh you get to finish it in like 35 minutes there you go <laughs> that's nice yeah, yeah that's i mean a, it's like an unintentional like fun bug instead of a an unintentional bug that's utterly game-breaking mm-hmm. yeah so just to be clear this was not discover this was not known about until this plando tournament and you know ninban tried it and then we all learned all of this is that correct uh the sword bug or the progression bug on tablets was known beforehand but um, placing the moon pearl on the tablet and the effects that it would have at least as far as i know wasn't known beforehand that's new gotcha yeah. okay that's cool 
That that's funny. Um, so there is I, there is a Discord for this tournament. I joined that, you know, just to make sure that I'm staying updated on things. So I've seen a little bit of some of the scheduling and you know some of them, you know, running into some of the conflicts that we identified in our last episode and and dealing with those as they come up. Which you know, to be fair, it seems like that's been easy enough to do. I guess. Um, it does look like it's a significantly smaller tournament than maybe they had originally planned, but I also know that a few of the folks that kind of hang out in our GoMo Discord are also participating in that, so they've been chatting a little bit in our Discord about their experiences, and, you know, in terms of creating fun, interesting situations that are fun to watch and, and talk about, it seems like it's doing that, at least, so... That's definitely great to hear um, that, you know, it's it, people are having fun with it and it's, it's you know, creating some interesting situations, including this, you know, bug that was just discovered, which is also really cool. So I will say that for it, um, you know, seems to be going along pretty well. Mm -hmm. so. uh, just a quick little side note to that. I think um, the, the general idea of this Plandale tournament is really good and I like, mm -hmm. you know, what they're trying to do. Uh, what I've heard just a couple of days ago was uh, Vitorp telling me that uh, with the next version, or at least sometime in the near future, uh, the customizer will be able to generate race ROMs, which will make the idea and this tournament in, in, the, in the next iteration, let's say, uh, like 100% more viable. Because once you can generate race ROMs out of the customizer, a lot of the problems just fly out the window. Very true. Mm -hmm. So, cool. Oh, All oh right, sorry. Now, sorry for yeah, butting in again, but I have one more piece of news that I just remembered. Okay. Uh, there was a very interesting Plando match between Maligord and Hazukitty. I'm not sure if anyone remembers Hazukitty from uh, one of the older tournaments. She was a relatively new rando player and took... A pretty long time to finish, but she got all the support from the chat. She got a host from SG afterwards and had like a huge influx of people and everyone was cheering her on. Oh, wow. No, I hadn't heard that. Um, well, for some reason, she decided that it would be a good idea to play a one a timed one-hit KO animizer against Malagord. And uh -huh. um, it was expert mode as well, I believe. Uh, Malagord f won the seed after seven hours. And uh, Hazu kept playing. I unfortunately have no idea when she finished, but it had to be 10 hours, if not more. Once Maligord wow. finished, she was at maybe two crystals. Whoa. Oh my so, gosh. Uh, yeah, if you have a lot of time and want to see something crazy frustrating, feel free to watch that VOD. I personally <laughs> wouldn't recommend it because it's <laughs> seriously yeah, a whole day of watching the same seat and people dying horribly at all times. <laughs> Yeah, maybe skip around a little bit and check out some of the highlights. Meligord had uh, placed the bug net on the pedestal uh, as a plan to, uh, you know, make it impossible for Hazukiri to catch fairies to counter oh. the one he kill, and it backfired oh. horribly. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. So, wh where can we find this? Um, I'll have to find it. It might have been on Randomania or something. I'll have to find the channel. I'll tell you afterwards and we can put the link in the description. I'm sure uh, I can dig it up, but it yeah. was uh, in the plan no tournament not long ago last week, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I would, I would love to check that out. So we'll, we'll yeah, we'll get that link and put it in the uh, description for you guys to check out. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, the last little thing we want to talk about, we, we were actually going to talk about last week, but, you know, the, that episode ran so dang long, um, we, it kind of got bumped. 
I think it's worth mentioning, though, uh, a few weeks ago, it, there was an announcement in regards to the weeklies that are done. Um, a lot of folks were doing those in a voice chat with their friends, you know, just anywhere from two to ten people who are friends just in voice chat, just talking while they're playing. I don't know. It's just something that people do. <laughs> and um, the administrators came out and actually said that they are going to officially ban voice chats during these races in order to cut down on the potential of cheating and not not even cheating but spoiling you know inadvertently spoiling uh what's happening you know in your race saying it and then maybe influencing someone else who's on the voice chat um so but before i give any more my thoughts what did you guys think when you when you saw this announcement what are your thoughts Perfectly fine from my eyes. I mean, if you remember in the Fall of Fires, people were really upset and mad about people spoiling, quote-unquote, in their comments after the race. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like with voice chat, even if you super hardcore try to avoid anything, there's, you know... It might not be the right thing that they read out of whatever you say, but there's always going to be, you know, whatever you say, people are going to be like, oh, okay, maybe that's, you know, something that I can make into a hint for my seed, or maybe I can read something from that, or, oh, that means this happens, or whatever. Absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, for sure it has happened before, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it probably happens, like, once per race, at least someone hears something and goes... Huh. and then they change the course a little bit exactly you know and like that by itself is not okay from a race standpoint you know mm-hmm. and just to clarify a little bit as well uh it's not just you know the voice chat isn't just banned but if you want to have a race with voice chat you have to put it in the race goal so people know okay there's people here racing that are hanging out together in a voice chat i either don't care and join as well or i join the voice chat as well so we're all you know on the same level here uh, you can still do it. You just can't do it if you're racing with other people who have no idea that you're in the voice chat, like in the weeklies or the dailies or anything else like that. Because, yeah. as we were saying, that might just lead to unfair advantages, even if you personally don't spoil anything or don't hear anything. Yeah. Um. Question. Have either of you guys ever, like, raced while you're in a voice chat? I have not, because I... Uh... I have kind of the same feelings about it being sort of spoilery, where it, you get a lot into, like, mind games, and people could be like, oh, man, that was a, a real crazy one. And meanwhile, they found, like, you know, Mirror in Link's house or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I mean, I I don't know. I was going to say, I don't have any friends. But I have, you know, I have random <laughs> friends. But I don't I'm really have friend, any. You have I don't, us. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I don't really have any rando friends where i'd be like yeah sure i'd play at the same time as them in a voice chat i'd much rather do like a race against them mm-hmm. yeah um, cause, exactly because i've done I... that a couple times where you know i'm like oh i'm gonna play you know if anybody wants to you know play at the same time and they'll be like oh yeah sure i'll race it and then we race it and it's a lot more exciting Talk about than... it after yeah 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 exactly. uh i do have to admit i i've done a few casual races not even really races just you know people playing the same seat together in a voice chat we weren't srl racing or anything we were just firing it up at the same time and having a chit chat while we were playing Uh and it's there's a vod on my channel where i got second place against a couple of really really good runners that's why i highlighted that and will never delete it in all of my life (laughs) one of the first one of the first things you see when you go to herb's channel and that's why (laughs) Uh uh-huh uh i think hang on i'm i hope you don't mind but i'm gonna look it up because i'm really proud of that achievement (laughs) 
Yeah, we'll link it. We'll we'll throw a link in the description. Oh god, sure. I'm not sure if that's really worth it, but sure, we'll we'll see. You, uh, you might see a link in the description depending <laughs> on if Herb decides he wants to. No, we can. I just have to. Oh god, that's loud. Uh, there we go. It was versus GamerCal, DT, Willard, and Langshan. Okay. And I got second place in that somehow. I still don't know how. But nice. we were all in voice chat together and, you know, not really spoiling anything. I'm not sure if I managed to metagame anything out of what anyone else said, but that just comes down to me being a bad player. <laughs> I'm sure I said a few things that were like, uh, okay, I can probably guess what that means. Mm-hmm. It's I can see why it's fun, you know, I, I don't begrudge the people who did it, because it really is a different kind of play in the game when you're just hanging out and, you know, talking back and forth with your friends, even, maybe not even about the game, just, you know, haha, I just died because I'm stupid or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, I would assume most people try to avoid spoilers by default. You know, yeah, I don't think anyone's yeah. ready to be like, oh, I just found the red cane and mm-hmm. admires, you know, like whatever. Exactly. But, you know, in races, when it's in an SRL room, and we always joke about how SRL points are worthless, but it's the only kind of measurement that we all have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, if it's in a competitive setting, quote unquote, just don't do it. Yeah, and, yes. and that's what they were saying. Like, you can do the race, but you can't, like, enter your time. You can't be officially, like, scored. Yeah, exactly. you know? And, you know, it makes sense. You you want to be, you know, uh, in sports, there's plenty of times where people are like, eh, we're just going to screw around, and this doesn't really count. But, uh, you know, when the... Scrimmage. You kind of, it's yeah, called a scrimmage. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> you know, and yeah. the rules are more lax, and you're just kind of do having some fun. But, yeah, if you want to, like, enter official times... You got to make sure you follow the official rules. It's like golf, you know, people will go out and be like, oh, all right, I'll go play golf with my buddies and have some beers or whatever. And, you know, they're, you know, giving themselves easy putts and moving the ball around so it's not so hard. But then if you try to go and be like, yo, I shot like a 60, let me on the PGA Tour, they're going to be like, yeah, <laughs> no, you moved the ball like 400 feet during yeah, that you, round. You don't get to do took, that. Like, you took like one mulligan per hole. No, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. It's it, there's different levels, and and all that's really being, you know, called into question here is just the, comp- the competition aspect of it, and you know if you deserve to be fairly judged against others if you had the potential to maybe here's some spoilers. So I'm totally fine with this. Yeah, yeah, same. So uh, Timp, are we uh, are we ready to go to a uh, a wonderful, magical, exciting place? You, you know our our. Um, our transition sound effect has never been more apt than it is in this episode. <laughs> because there's no way to go where we're trying to go unless we have this little guy right here. All right. Misery Meyer. This is... Um, I'm going to pass this right off to you guys. What do you guys... What do, what do you think when you hear Misery Meyer, when you think about Misery Meyer? Better uh, than uh, Ice Palace. Better, I heard better than Ice Palace. What'd you say, Harf? I said, ew, gross. Okay, ew, gross. That, There's I lots of that's kind of how I feel, too. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I mean, more seriously, I would, in terms of ranking the Dark World dungeons, it's definitely in the bottom half with, like, Ice Palace, Swamp, and Turtle Rock. Mm-hmm. Actually, that might be more than half, but um, it it's not, it could be worse. It's not as hard to route. It's usually not as deadly um 
So, yeah, it just sometimes has some weird stuff going on with keys. Mm -hmm. I think Misery Mire is one of those dungeons as opposed to, you know, Swamp Palace, where you're always going to be annoyed that it's taking a long time, especially if you have to clear a left side, or Ice Palace, where it's always going to be annoying because of all the weird ways you have to route through it and all the ice floors and stuff. Misery Mire is one of those dungeons. When you're a newer player, it's absolutely god-awful. You hate it. It's one of the worst dungeons you could ever enter. But the more you play and the more you feel comfortable with just, you know, Link to the Past in general, the more comfortable you feel with Misery Mire. At least that's the way it is for me. I used to hate this dungeon and, you know, I used to really try to avoid going there at all costs and now i'm like yeah misery my i'm not a huge fan but whatever we'll just knock it out and move on our way yeah i mean yeah. i'd say the only thing about it that can be somewhat annoying is if you need to try to do it dark um, yes that's yeah. that's the only time where i go hmm because doing it dark is fairly challenging because of how precise you need to be mm-hmm yeah, and it's not it's not the kind of difficulty that Dark Maze in Pod has, where it's like, okay, yeah, there's these, you know, little fire guys throwing fire at me and I need to be careful, but it's really about, like, where to go and, and like, how to navigate the maze. This one, it, it feels very deadly. There's, there's always, you know, spikes and shooters and, you know, th things in your path that are probably going to kill you if you're stumbling around not knowing what you're doing, so that's tough. Yeah, I mean, I've done it Dark once in my whole life, and it was yeah. uh, a moment where I finished that and went, I honestly can't believe that worked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've done one, maybe two, uh, similar kind of situation. I think one time I made it through, another time I ended up having to quit and, and get out of there, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um, I mean, otherwise, it, it is a little bit of a weird dungeon because it only has two items in it, but I, because of, <clears throat> excuse me, how many items you need to enter it's very likely that one of those two items could be a progression item because you need to get in here. Uh, let's see if I can list out all of them without looking at our, our little outline. Uh, okay. <laughs> let's see. Just to get just to get into the Meyer area, you need the flute and the Titan's Mitt mm -hmm. and the Moon Pearl. Uh, then you're going to need either the Hookshot or the Boots to get across or... Uh, yeah, no, you can't bomb jump across that. It has to be Hookshot or Boots. Then mm -hmm. to fully to i guess fully clear it you're going to need the red cane and a fire and a fire source of some sort and uh then to fight the boss you'll need well i guess i guess you could use the red cane but you need like a sword or a bow <laughs> yeah you you really need some something to whack it with yeah or but, yeah but that's a lot of stuff i mean when we yes. talk about total rock which is Spoiler alert, you know, kind of the last dungeon left after this one and what we'll talk about next time. Uh, it, it That's the only one that has more required items to get through it. So, you know, when you're yeah. going here, it's usually the late game. You might be down to one item. You might be down to town. You might be down to two. So because there's only two items, it can feel very frustrating when you keep on opening chest after chest and getting small keys you don't need. Yeah. Now, Axe, in the past, I, I feel like I've heard you mention that when you're dealing with a pendant mire versus a pendant swamp, I think was the example you yeah. used, that there's, it's more likely that you'll find something in pendant mire. Could, could you maybe explain yeah, what, so, what you meant by that? So, okay, so let's think about how the, the, you know, the game fills the, uh, 
the items, mm-hmm. and you're let's say you've got two pendants, you've got pendant swamp and pendant mire. So, you know, kind of putting yourself in the mind of how the logic is thinking, you know, assume that this is not a pedestal seed, and then think about okay, which one of these is more likely to have a required item? Um, it, it, you know, even though there are more chests over there in swamp, because there are so many items that lock uh, mire, you can think and say like, okay, well, have I used the hookshot yet? No, pros- probably not. Have I used uh, the boots yet? If if you don't have the hookshot, probably not. Have I used the red cane yet? Probably not. Have I used the lamp yet? Hmm. I mean, that actually, I would I would say you probably have used. You probably have. <laughs> um, yeah. But what about the flute? What about Titan's Mitt? Um, you know, when you think about it like that, there's just a lot more things that you need to get in here. So it's much more likely that one of them that you have, you haven't really used to get any progression yet. Um, and that's not getting into kind of the math and the logic of how the filler, you know, works and seated early in the seed versus seated late, which to be honest, always confuses the hell out of me terminology wise, but just thinking Mm -hmm. about what you've used and not used, it's much more likely going into mire that there's something you haven't used yet. Whereas if you go into swamp, you've probably used everything that gets you through swamp at some point else. And it's unlikely that the reason you have it is so you can get something in swamp. That makes sense. That's, that's really interesting to think about it that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, it's also nice if you're thinking about it, if you've got like an unspoiled mire, you haven't gone there at all. You still have three, wait, three, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, three, three easy checks right off the start. Yeah. So let, let's talk about those. So, so one of the nice things about you know when you finally find the flute, which as we said, you know, before the transition here, you you cannot go here unless you have the flute. It's literally locked from any other place. You have to flute in to six and then pick up the rock and, and go into dark world. Um, once you do that, you already have access to three other items here. Uh, well, two for sure, one more being Checkerboard Cave if you happen to have the mirror. Um, so a lot of times when I get flute, that's really quick to go check because you just bust out your flute, play the song, go to six, and then walk down, get the two in Mire Shed, check Mire, see what the pendant is, make a note about that, go over to Checkerboard Cave, do that one if you can. And then... If, if you are able to, you could mirror back into Desert by going to the far left. You can get onto the Desert Ledge, and that's a way to get into Desert Palace if you didn't have the book, which we talked about in our Desert Palace episode. So one of the best times to go to Misery Mire is when you can justify looping in two dungeons at once in sort of a pod Eastern Palace kind of way, where you can do Mire and then finish that and then go to Desert and take care of Land Molest if that's a crystal that you need. Mm-hmm. So in talking about when to go to Misery Mire, that's definitely a great you know time if you can do that combination. Um, I think as Axe mentioned, you know there is a likelihood of progression being in Pendant Mire, but you know just always use your head, just just play smart. If you have other areas you can check that are going to be a little faster than making a dive into a somewhat difficult Dark World dungeon, you might want to go check those first. But do keep in mind that Mire could could have what you need, so it could be worth checking it out um any other times when we might want to go to mire uh well if we're in go mode (laughs) and crystal uh that's sort of the the cheeky answer but one nice thing you can do if for whatever reason you've yet to do desert the desert mire combo just like the 
pod uh, Eastern combo is a really good one and can save you a lot of time over someone who has earlier gone and just done Desert and is now going to just do Mire. Uh, you can maybe pick up a, a little bit of time there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Okay, let's talk about our item layout for Mire. So as you've mentioned, there are two items. Um, there's actually eight item locations uh, in Misery Mire. Uh, three of them have small keys. Uh, there's the compass and the map, our dungeon trash. There's the big key, of course, and then those two items rounds out the eight. There's also three additional small keys uh, under skulls, and in there's one in a blue jelly that we'll talk about later. Uh, one of those keys that's under a skull, though, it's in a room that you should never be entering unless you're playing some insane modifier that makes you have to just grab a bunch of keys. Um, but it's in a fishbone room that we otherwise won't won't be entering. Can, can I confess something? Sure. When I started playing Rando, I thought you had to go to the fishbone room. So Dude, I, same. I, I went I... there, like, all the time, and then finally someone was like, you know you never have to go there, right? I was like, what, what do you mean? You need the small key? They're like, no, you... And they kind of laid out the key order. I was like, oh, oh, right. Because to get out of the fishbone room, you need a key. That's yeah. why you don't need to go there. And this is, yeah, I did, this, the, I did the same thing. This is maybe going to sound a little mean, but first I want to preface this by saying that I also did this all the time. I had no idea. But the fish room in Misery Mire is what we usually call the noob filter. <laughs> because if you ever see anyone ask a question and they're like hey i'm in the fish room in mire and i don't know what to do you're like all right you just started playing this you, you haven't played this for a long time you know why i did it though is because uh i used to play a ton of uh z3r sim mm-hmm. that we've talked about before by count 92 so to me like i would just press up and and the simulator cuts out all the rooms that don't have anything of note in them so i just would like press a door and just suddenly appear in that room and be like oh a small key so to me it made perfect sense but then when i started playing more it was like god this takes a really long time to go up and get this Mm -hmm. so yeah you don't need it so disregard um certainly not going to be discussing it during this walkthrough which i i think it's time to start so let's we we flew to six we have uh opened up the portal as you walk down, uh, you're going to walk you know, north towards the mire, and you're going to encounter a murdered dactyl, one of these pink crow things that literally will not stop until you're dead or it despawns. Um, so be ready to deal with that. If you're going all the way up to mire and the pendant to open it is ether and you have it, and you use ether to raise the mire dungeon up, and the bird is on screen and it freezes, you are legally obligated to pick that bird up and throw it in the water. That's called a bird toss, and chat demands it. <laughs> I mean, this okay. is kind of like how when you go into Kakariko, you always have to free that one chicken in the uh, the house where you have to bomb the wall. If you don't free that chicken, you are a, uh, a very... You're a monster. Yeah, you're just you know human garbage and how could you leave that chicken stuck under that pot for all of eternity i just want to quickly say that i want to officially distance myself from any memes uh you know perpetrated (laughs) on this podcast i have nothing to do with this i am against all memes please take all your complaints up with my good friends axial and timp yes please send me your email about how much you hate stupid stuff like this This is the kind of guy that leaves a frozen bird just sitting there. No, I smash it with my hammer. That's called a bird smash. 
that's that's next level. I actually like that a lot. <laughs> that's very good. Uh, so yeah, you'll you'll open up Meyer using whatever pendant you need, um, or sorry, whatever medallion you need. I'm not sure. If, did you mention that axe in your item rundown? You do need whichever medallion is locking Misery Meyer. You might have said that. I did not say that. So thank okay. you for correcting me. That uh, yeah. So yeah. already the hate mail has begun. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Our our listener ship is actually very nice they they almost never call us out on stuff even when we deserve it so um all right so so let's let's get in here we're in the first room uh this is right off the bat going to require you to either have the hook shot or the boots to get over this i think it's a three tile gap here um there's a block on the other side you can easily hook shot to or there's a block on your side if you start dashing when you're facing south and then turn to the west during the dash animation, you'll bonk off of this block here uh, and go all the way over the pit and, and be safely on the other side. So you have to have one of those in order to get past this very first room. Yeah, and just uh, as a quick side note, just because I saw someone in the rando discord a while ago having trouble with the bonk in the hookshot cave. Um, whenever you're, as you were just saying, Tim, I, I just want to give this a little more time so people can really internalize sure. it. If uh, if you have to bonk dash or dash bonk on like a one tile wide thing where you, especially in the hookshot cave, it's not such a big deal in Misery Mire because you can't pick up the block that you're bonking off. So you can't suddenly, you know, take your bonk place away. Uh -huh. But uh, if you want to dash into a certain direction, don't have enough space, start your dash facing in a different direction. And while you're kicking up dust, press wherever you want to dash to and link will change direction that's really important or you'll press the opposite direction that you want to go so mm -hmm. that you'll bonk backwards yeah exactly yeah mm -hmm. that and there's a there's also a section in gans tower where that's that's really important to learn mm -hmm. so yeah so definitely get used to that if if you try to just immediately dash into the block link's just going to grab it like like you were going to push or pull it so that's why you need to start your dash a different direction um be, be ready to do that if needed. Um, you don't want to be wasting a bunch of time right there. Okay, so now we're going to head down the stairs into just a real son of a gun of a room here. Uh, yeah. This is a whiz robe and slime murder room. And these whiz robes are going to be a pain in your neck pretty much until we're finished with this dungeon. Um, I will say the new way to handle this room it seems is to use the red cane i fully endorse that i think it's super cool uh it you know when you lay down a block the first time and then hit it a second time it sends four beams and you know the four cardinal directions so if you can place these blocks and time your shots in such a way where you can kill two disappearing wizard robes at once that's going to save you a lot of time that you would spend otherwise chasing them down and waiting and slashing them um, what do you guys have any other tips for this notoriously annoyingly difficult room? Sword beams. If yeah. Sword uh, beams are great here. If you're Absolutely. on master sword or higher, which, dear God, I hope you are, because uh, otherwise it's going to be painful. Uh, you can use sword beams, and they will take down the wizard robes in one shot, as well as the jelly thingies that are also in here. And you can clear, yeah, you can clear it pretty quick. Mm -hmm. uh, my little trick is, or my little tip is, if you do not have sword beams, um, if you have the magic to spare, especially if you have half magic or something to that, try using the fire rod. If you don't have magic to spare, use uh, the hookshot that you might have out already to kill the ropas. They die in one hookshot hit. 
which makes you know it a little it doesn't make it great but it makes it a little bit easier because you don't have to run up to them and slash them in the face you can just poke them from a distance you still got to deal with the whiz ropes but it can help make it a little bit quicker and a little bit more comfortable definitely one thing i want to mention about the whiz ropes that might not be totally obvious is that they always stay in the same spot they don't move so even though they disappear and reappear they're not like Kamek from Mario, who will appear in random places. They have a set spot. Now, they will change direction based on, you know, what direction Link is from them. They'll either be north, south, east, or west. But they stay in the same place. So if you just barely miss one and it disappears, if you just wait there long enough, it'll reappear and then you can hit it. All I'm saying is that you probably don't want to waste any time just standing, waiting around. If you can time it so that you go kill something else and then come back when that Wizrobe, you know, reconstitutes or whatever, that's a better use of your time. Mm -hmm. And uh, just another quickie with the fire rod. Uh, it has a little bit of a lingering hitbox, so you can manage to, you know, shoot it against the wall or one of those railings, even though the Wizrobe is only just appearing and the lingering hitbox might still hit it, so that can save you a second or two if you really want to. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay, so let's say we killed all the enemies. We move through the door to the north. This is going to take us to the main lobby. We're going to be here quite a few times. It's sort of the main hub of the dungeon. It's a pretty big room. Uh, we're going to start by going down the stairs that are right in front of us. Now, if you were to look at a map of this and sort of map out where you need to go, we're, we're heading to the northeastern uh, side of this and going through the door up top there. If you navigate your way through this bottom section under this grate exactly right, you won't get hit by any of the bogeys that are down here, you know, these fire snakes and things like that. Um, so definitely work on... You know, you're lying through here and you should be pretty safe and not have to like wait for one of these, you know, what are those ones called that suck to the walls that like go around the walls? Those like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they're like the magical disco. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think of, I think of the movie Mystery Men and the Disco Boys gang and that's like the mascot. <laughs> okay. Man, I, I just, about I that just call them Sparks. Sparks. Okay, yeah, because that, that's kind of what they are in Mario, actually, speaking of Mario. Um, Spark. Oh, yeah, Spark. I just looked it up. They are called Sparks. Oh, Shout out to her. Very good. Um, oh, and those fire snakes are called Winders? Hmm, who knew? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Anyway, so if you are not as fast as you can be, you might have to, like, stop and wait for one of these, but, you know, for a cycle, and obviously that's always going to be slow. So just work out your path through here. We're making our way up to the northeast. So you're going to head in this room. You'll see two torches and a block. You're going to push the block out of the way, go straight north, go straight north again in the next room. Now we're in the bridge room, and you want to either dash or hookshot to the end of this so-called bridge I don't think you could really call this a bridge because it doesn't connect to anything on the other side. It's more like a pier, if anything. Yeah. But it is called the bridge chest for whatever reason. So you're going to open this chest up here. Interesting uh, tidbit about this chest. If this is the big key and you're in go mode, then you are experiencing the Godmire, yeah. uh, which is a great way. It's like the fastest go mode that there is. Um, you cut out like, you know, 80% of the dungeon um, that you would normally have to run around looking for chests. And uh, it's it's really nice because we're really close to the boss door. Um, yeah, so that's and, nice when that happens. And if you can hover, you can just hover right across. And then it's 
mm-hmm. and basically skipping the whole dungeon. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't even need the big key at that point if you're hovering. No, you uh, you will because you have to use it to open the door to. Yeah, uh, you need to open oh, the, the actual boss door. Okay, my mistake. All right, so you would need the big key if you got it right here. But yeah, if you hover over, um, you know, cool. Good for you. Great. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah, awesome. You have my congrats. Okay, but let's say you're a normal person. So so you get what's in this chest here, uh, and you want to backtrack two screens um, until you're back to that room with two torches. Go ahead and head to the right this time. You're going to see a room with a bunch of spikes. First order of business, you want to head north, and there's a skull up there and a key under it. So go ahead and grab that key. Next, you're going to want to head over to where the spikes are. There's a single skull uh, in the middle of the spikes. Bad news, you're going to have to pick that up. You're just going to have to take some damage here. Or mm-hmm. you can use your cape or your cane if you are, you know, really desperate, maybe like one hit away from death. Um, you know, you can, there are, way, there are ways over this, of course, as we know. Yeah, now, by logic, doesn't, don't they set it up in a way that you will never have to take damage to complete the seed, so you will somehow be able to grab the blue cane or cape before this if you have to go and get that key or am no, i that's... off base I, no I that's thought, interesting i thought that was only for one hit ko modes i'm not 100 percent sure though if that extends to the logic in general or if it's only in the one hit ko logic i i'm not sure i think i'm, I'm kind of conflicting myself in my brain here because on the one hand, I think it's only in the one hit KO logic. On the other hand, I'm not sure if they really have a separate kind of logic for one hit KO. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. That's interesting. That's, that's an interesting point. I guess uh, you know, sound off. Let us know. You know, email a Discord or whatever if you if you have any idea. Yeah, I'm sure one of know. our listeners is well better worse than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they always step in and, and fill in the blanks like that when we need them to. So. Uh, okay. So either way though, you're going to have to, you're going to have to open up, you're going to have to lift up this skull so you can hit a button. The button is going to make another chest, is going to make a chest appear that is also in the spikes. So, you know, the damage continues. You'll make your way over to that, open it up. Um, this is called the spike chest, pretty fitting name. If you get the big key here and you are in go mode, this is the demigod mire. It is almost as good as the god mire. Um, it just adds the one little step of having to get something out of this chest. So that's great. If, if so, you know, you're going to head north and you're going to go on your way to Vitreus. But as we always do with these walkthroughs, we're assuming a full clear. So you're going to backtrack at that point back to the main lobby again. Uh, and we're going to continue on with the chest. And I'm going to pass it over to one of my co-hosts here to take over. All right. Well, uh, once you're back in the main lobby from the north, you want to walk down those steps to the you know bottom floor of the main lobby and just walk straight to the left. Uh, usually you'll be ending up with a winder or one of those fire snakes in your way, but keep in mind only the you know start or the beginning of the fire snake actually hurts you. You can safely walk through all the body parts if you want to call it that. Just don't hit the front of it. Uh, make your way to the left, go up the next set of stairs that you see. Um, you want to walk downwards and past the first door. If you go into the first door, uh, you, you don't really want to be in there. Uh, you just walk further down and there will be a locked door to your left. You'll use one of the small keys that you've grabbed. At worst, it was the one under the skull in the spike room Tim was talking about earlier. You probably have more than that one. You go in there. 
Uh, you'll be in a room with a bunch of uh, conveyor belts on the outside and anti-fairy flying around and a crystal switch. And I think there's a couple of stealtho skeletons or something rumbling around in there as well. As well as a fire spitter. And uh, what I usually do or what you want to do is you want to hit the crystal switch, kill the jelly that's in there I believe, which will drop another additional small key. And then you want to make your way back out of there. You go back to the main room and you continue further down the way you came and start walking on the grates that you walked, you know, under before. Uh, since you lowered the crystal switches, you can now make your way all the way to the top. There's going to be a skull between two blue switch block pairs, I want to call them, that are now lowered. Pick that up. There's a button under there which will make a chest appear in the top right. You can just walk there, grab whatever's in it. And uh, usually it is another small key just because we're in Mire. So, meh. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of those. Mm -hmm. This is called the main lobby chest, this one that Herb's talking about here. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, now, oh. I wanted to quickly mention, so so I, I was putting this uh, walkthrough together and I consulted you know, with my two co-hosts here and it turns out the route that I do is a little bit different than the one the one that they do. But after listening to what they had to say, I actually, I, I think that their route makes more sense, but I do still want to explain what I was doing because I think there might be some cases where it, it could make sense for you to do. After uh, after getting the um, the key from the blue jelly and hitting the crystal switch, what I would typically do is head to the west into that room. Uh, long story short, we'll describe this in more detail later. There's two firelock chests over there you can get. One of them takes a very long time to get. It's a vanilla big key chest. Um, it is better to try to put this as your last check because it takes so long you kind of want to gamble on finding your items and knowing that you don't have to do it. it. It cuts out a lot of time to not check it. Whereas the way I would do it would be to check it because we're right here. We're close to it right now. So technically it's the best time for it, but ultimately it's better to maybe not do it at all. So instead of going over there like I normally would, Herf is now describing what Go Mode is going to officially endorse, which is heading... <laughs> over this way and uh you know continuing on with some more checks so yeah you, you don't want to go through that cutscene if you don't want to or yeah, yeah. if you don't, if you if you don't, don't absolutely have to. have to you kind of want to you know avoid that chest just because the cutscene of the wall moving we've already had it in pod we don't need it again if we can avoid it in some form or fashion so we'll, we'll see there there will be a, a pretty big flaw with the route that i'm going to explain that i'll get to once we get to the big chest but we'll we will see yeah. <clears throat> All right. So you grab the main lobby chest. Uh, what you're going to do next is you're just going to backtrack. You're going to backtrack down over the grates. You're going to walk past the door with uh, the jelly and the crystal switch inside. You're going to walk past the door that I already told you to not go into earlier. And you're going to walk down the steps again. Now, this is what I do. I'm not sure if this is in, uh, in concert with my two co-hosts here. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what I do is I uh, go down the stairs and I take the third entrance, so to speak, on the right side, which means I pass the two big walls and as soon as the railing appears, so to speak, I go in between the big wall and the railing on the right, which will eventually lead you to a set of stairs and a locked door. 
Uh, yeah, the... that's the there's the hmm? peg under it, right? The peg has been lowered, so now you're able. Yeah, to go. exactly. The peg has mm-hmm. been lowered, and you can just walk through there. And then you go to the right, unlock that door, and then you'll be at the vanilla map chest. That's where usually the map for this dungeon is. But uh, you can just straight up open it, and it might be a map, it might be an item, it might be the big key. You don't know. That's why we're playing randomizer. But you grab that <laughs> chest. <laughs> and uh, since the blue pegs are lowered, you can walk around uh, at the top, jump down, go under the bridge, walk up the stairs, and go to the right side into the big chest room. Now, here's where the big flaw that I was talking about earlier comes in. If you are unlucky enough to not have found the big key yet in all your searching through this dungeon, it means your big key is in one of the two firelock chests that Tim was talking about earlier, and you're here, and you kind of have the choice of either, you know, orphaning the big chest for later, or, you know, kind of having to come back here because you don't have the big key right now, which is a little bit unfortunate. Usually it works out you either have the big key already or you already found the two items that you want So there's not really a need to check the big chest But every now and again you're in a not so great situation where you really need whatever is in that big chest But the big key is locked behind some torches Yeah, that's right. So, you know the the way that I described it's safer You know because by the time you get to the big chest you will have checked everything else and you will assuredly have the big key and you'll be able to open it but still you know for reasons we've mentioned i i do endorse you know it's a gamble that i would endorse it it, it's Mm -hmm. we recognize that it might not play out for you every time but more often than not it will and it's so much faster to to do it this way so um and i want to go back to earlier you know to something that you were you expressed a little bit of doubt about going into that locked key and getting the vanilla map chest and then going down and get the big chest. Were you wondering if maybe it was better to get the big chest and then go over and get that map chest in in that order instead? Yeah, if you already have the big key, you can kind of, you know, make the decision in the main lobby. Do I want to go that way that I just described, or do I just want to go straight to the big chest and then out from the top of the big chest room and to the left and then past the vanilla map chest? I... I'm not really sure if it's a big time difference. I personally don't think it is, but I really don't know. Yeah, I was I wasn't sure either. Um, I do the way that you described, just because I think I'm closer to it. You know, when mm-hmm. I come down those stairs. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I I mean, theoretically, it seems like they'd be about equal because it's just a loop. You know, more or less. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I I don't think it's a huge time difference if there even is one. It I I suppose it kind of. If you do have the big key already, I would probably endorse going to the big chest first just because it loops around nicely where it, you know, spits you out in the top right of the main lobby and you can just walk to the left and go to the firelock chests as opposed to coming in from the vanilla big chest uh, from the vanilla map chest, jumping down, going through the big chest and then having to walk past the vanilla map chest again to get back to the main lobby. That's true. But on the other hand, if you don't have your big key obviously you want to check the map chest first because you could find your big key in there exactly so it it really kind of depends on what you found already and what you're still looking for yeah with Mm -hmm. with only two items yeah it's and a lot of small keys you know it's very it feels very variable how meyer is going you know in terms of the item distribution you could either be like yeah i'm going great i'm don't need to look anymore or cool 
I have no items yet, somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. Well, well, all of that being said, we, you know, this is the route that we're taking. So we're going to assume that we just got our big chest and we were able to open it. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's open that up. Um, from that point, we are going to have to backtrack essentially back to that blue jelly and crystal switch room again, right? Yes. Okay. So, and you, you know, the way by this point, you've, you've taken it a couple times. You're going to go through the main lobby, down the stairs, back up the stairs in the northwestern part, and then into the second door that you encounter. So now, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, if, if we were to go west, we go into a torch and tile room. Um, so we're going to pick it up back here. Axe, do you want to maybe jump in at this part? Yes, I will talk right. us through the annoying parts. So we are uh, <laughs> we're going to go left, and uh, we enter a room that has tiles. Oh, no, we have to wait for the tiles. Just kidding. Sunk. We don't. Uh, all we have to do here is light the torches. You can use either the fire rod or the lamp. Uh, I would actually recommend using the fire rod here because there is a full magic refill coming right up. So yes. it shouldn't be that much of a problem. So we're going to uh, to light those and uh, go north. And uh, there's a room here where if you have the blue uh, blocks down, you can open it up, open up the compass, and pray and hope that whatever you're looking for is in here. Because mm-hmm. if it's not, we're gonna go walk to our right, make a loop, and go back to that room we were in. And now we're going to head down. Um, when we head down from that room with the four torches, we're in a room with a conveyor belt, a shooter. Um, you want to open up the, uh, the pot all the way on the upper right next to the stairs because that gives you a full magic refill. And now we're going upstairs to the best part of the dungeon and best part of Link to the Past, the, uh, the cutscene. Uh, I just want to quickly throw a couple of things in here if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, the first one is, in the torch room with the tiles, uh, you go up and grab that compass chest that Axe was just talking about. Keep in mind that if you walk back down into the tile room, all the tiles that were in the air or were just about to float up into the air when you le- when you left it are going to fly straight at your face. They don't care about timing. They don't care about if they were just an inch off the floor or not. Everything is going to just fly straight at your face. So be ready for that. Yeah, and I do want to mention, you should, I, I think you should go that way. Axe, I think you said something about going right there, because then you could go right twice, and then oh, down. Oh, right, right, yep. Yeah, you can, but I really, you want to go south. Yeah, you can go yeah. south. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm I'm thinking if, you go right if you find what you want, because then you can very quickly get to the boss room. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, it's good uh, the, to know that you can go that way to yes. get to the boss. Yeah. Um, the- the last thing I want to quickly mention is in the room below the torches, there are bomb snakes running around, and these guys are killers. Mm. Yeah, if you move fast, you can avoid them usually. Usually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fortunately, um, they're, they're kind of far south, and if you kind of stick to the north and hug that wall by the conveyor belt, you, you probably won't encounter them. And then there's a skull. I can't remember if you mentioned this, but there's a skull also in that area with the full magic refill that you're going to pick up and probably want to grab right before you walk up those steps there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that's right. that's why again using the fire rod on those first four torches really makes sense. You might be like, oh, maybe I'll use the lamp and save the magic. No, don't do that. Um, it's going to take more time, and there's a full magic refill right there anyway. All right. Mm-hmm. So we've gone up to the top floor of Misery Mire. Uh, and now we need to light these torches. 
So the vanilla way you're supposed to do this is you move the blocks around and then you go light them and there's wizard robes shooting at you. But we're playing randomizer and we're really cool. So we're not going to do that, uh, assuming we have the fire rod. If you only have the lamp, you do have to do it kind of the vanilla way, where you push the blocks and light the torches. But if you have the fire rod, all you have to do is push the block and shoot the fire rod at the same time, and that will uh, make the block disappear and light the torch. So you just do that four times, or two times in the first room, and then go down and you can, uh, you can either push the block and light it again, or you can kind of walk around and shoot them from the bottom. But once you do, I hope you've brought a book along, because you now get to uh, wait a very, very long time for some stuff to explode and the room to open up to the right. So, you know, if you've got some, some War and Peace or, or Moby Dick or, you know... Uh, yeah, some Sun Tzu. Yeah, what, you know, whatever you kind of your favorite book is, pull that out here and you know, get maybe a minute to read. And then finally the floor will stop shaking. You can head into the right... Now, if you are not in, you know, go mode or almost go mode, I would recommend walking up to the north and getting the telepathy tile because you never know, it could tell you the location of the item you're looking for and this is really the only chance you're going to get to get it. You're not ever going to be like, man, I just don't know where to go. I need some hints. Where am I going to go? Oh, yeah, back to Meyer into the cutscene room. Like, that's just <laughs> not a, a reasonable no. thing to think. No way. Um, so you'll go get that... Um, avoid these spikes here uh yours truly has in his idiocy once hit these spikes with one heart left and killed himself oh my god uh that was great uh so don't do that uh, so this cutscene the, the the wall does stay moved if you've done it once right yes yes so that's good at least yeah but, it, i didn't have to redo it but it was like yeah, oh still. god no yeah. um and then you're gonna fall down this hole um, it's funny because normally in Link to the Past, when you fall, if holes that you can fall down safely, there's kind of like a floor pattern beneath it. And this, it's just a black hole. So I don't know if the developers yeah. are trying to like trick you or, or what, but uh, you can fall down that hole safely. And it takes you down one level uh, to a room that previously you kind of had no business ever walking into because there's like a balcony to the north. But you'll fall right next to the vanilla big key chest. Open that up, and I really hope that has whatever you were looking for, because at this point there's only one item left, and that mm -hmm. will be mm -hmm. on uh, yeah, the the eyeballs themselves. But uh, so you open that up, you go, hooray, I'm in go mode now, hopefully, or hooray, I've gotten all the items, or hooray, I've gotten the big key, and now you're going to walk over to the left, and it takes you into a room with a teleporter. You're going to teleport away. Um, I will not make the uh, the teleporter sound because I will not do it justice, but you, uh, <laughs> you teleport away, and uh, I'm trying to figure out which room exactly it is it teleports you to. Uh, is it... it takes you to the room that is positioned above the compass chest. Oh, okay, yeah. So you go into this room, and hopefully at this point you have the big key, because if you do, you just walk north, and then you get to teleport again. If for whatever reason you don't, or you have another item check to do, like in the big chest, uh, you can walk right and then down, and that takes you to when I was talking before how you could go right out of that compass room, which, again, you shouldn't do. That's that room. So to take us back to the compass room, uh, you know, you would kind of reverse this if you're going to the boss. 
But uh, well, this yeah, this would be like if you found your big key in the vanilla big key chest, and you did want to go back and check the big chest. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is what you would have to do. Yeah. Otherwise, you're gonna head up through that big key door, which is gonna take you towards Vitreus. Yep. So you'll go through the uh, the teleporter again because you know you're just teleporting all around. Two teleporters. You're, you're yeah, like it's a, gonna like, fry like you're in Star Trek molecules. Yeah. 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 You got you know you got Jordy or, or Scotty beaming you up all over the place. Uh, so now you get beamed up over into what is now the uh, this kind of antechamber for the bridge room. And uh, there's some whiz robes that all spawn here. Uh, there's some anti-fairies in pots down on the bottom if you need, uh, you've got the powder and you want to turn those into fairies. But you just want to head up those stairs and through the door. And you're now back in the room that we went at the very, very start with the uh, the bridge on the left and the what we'll call pier on the right. Before you head on down, though, uh, I would recommend taking a look at your magic. And if your magic isn't full, you're going to want to head all the way over to the left here before you get on the stairs because there is a full magic refill there and you are going to need it. Yep. Um, especially in this room coming up here, you, you absolutely will need to use magic because it's... Uh, you need a red cane to get through, and this is also where red cane locks you out of not, you know, being able to complete this dungeon if you don't have it. Um, and now we're getting into our dark rooms, uh, which I personally would probably rate these the second hardest dark rooms behind uh, maybe like dark maze. Yeah, I think dark maze. I I agree with that second hardest dark. And maze. I'm not counting Agonim either, by the way. That uh, that's yeah. not, I'm not even counting that. That's way harder. But yeah, yeah. Ag is off the scale. It's yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so at this point, let's say we've come downstairs, and I'm going to be nice and say, let's assume we have the lamp so that we can actually see what we're doing. Sure. Um, you're open, you're in this room, there are four fireball shooter monster Shooters. things, mm-hmm. and what you'll need to do is, on the le- upper left side, there is a pot you can lift up, and there's a switch underneath, but there's no block to push onto the switch. Uh, this is where you are to pull out your red cane, put down the block, and then make your way south uh, while avoiding the shooters. Um, I know here this is also, if you are a spooky glitch knower, I think where you uh, set up spooky glitch so that you have it uh, usable, I think. But I'm not someone that knows how to do spooky glitch, so yeah, I leave that to those who know it to tell us. But- yeah. Yeah, I think the next, the, the room with the big block and the, like, X blocks coming out of it, the second the second dark room, I think, is where you would put uh, a block. I also am not 100% sure. I was planning on putting a link in the description to maybe a YouTube video or uh, some sort of describer, so you can check that out, um, get some more information about Spooky Glitch. We'll, we'll sort of explain kind of how that is beneficial to you, I guess, in, in a moment when we get there. Um, another thing I wanted to mention about this first uh, dark room, um, there is a rupee room to the right. I wouldn't recommend going in, though, because there's only nine blue rupees, which is, like, basically nothing. And probably if you're at this point in the game, you, you're not really rupee farming. So um, that's there. But Yeah, and it's, lo- and it's locked with a key, which you might not have at this point. Very true. Yeah, not even worth it. So, um now, uh, if you come through that first room and then back into the second one, the second one's actually really easy if it's dark. You just hug the top wall and then the, the west wall and then go into the next room. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next room is uh, it's sort of where the action's at in, in this dark area. So 
you'll move north and you'll see one of those spike guys moving back and forth. If you are quick, you can quickly on, you know, there's sort of a like a uh, an area that's blocked by a pot. If you walk up through there, you can very quickly make sort of a like a U-shape or an upside down U-shape and go and avoid getting hit by it. Um, if you are a little sloppy, though, you're going to get hit and take a heart of damage. And uh, this is the spot where I believe you trigger the spooky glitch if you are a, a spooky glitcher. Yeah. It's um, uh, one of the two spots that you yeah. trigger it. Yeah. Um, so you'll then head down, and uh, now you need to remember what you've set the switch to. Uh, if the switch was changed by you at any point, which... Uh, Probably if you, you know if you've gone and full cleared it, it it was because that's the only way you could get through uh, those blue blocks. You'll need to go up top, and there is a switch in the top there that you'll need to trigger. You can use your red cane or the hook shot or arrows, whatever you want. But it's uh, so I think the first one that actually requires you. No, that's not true. There's one in pod that requires you to use a an item at a distance, but. You can, you'll do that and then head back down south to the door. Uh, walk through the door and there is you know these two sets of blocks and you've gotten the first ones down, but the second ones doesn't really seem to be clear how you get that. But if you put a bomb in the north wall, that will blow up and then you can walk through there and find another switch. Hit that, head through the left, and now you're out of the dark rooms and can just walk up the, uh, the stairs but before you do that, make sure in there there is another crystal switch all the way at the top above where the stairs are. You'll need to hit that again or you won't be able to progress to the boss itself. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so a couple quick notes about some of these dark rooms. Um, one of the things to keep in mind, if you were doing a go mode swamp and you did not hit the crystal switch the first time, like just normally doing the dungeon like we explained in the walkthrough, these first orange pegs will already be down. So don't waste your time going up there to hit that switch in the northern part of that taller room because uh, you'll just be locking yourself. So just, you know, be sure to remember, okay, have I already hit the switch or am I good? If you've done the dungeon normal, you're going to have to go hit it. If you haven't done the dungeon as normal, you can just walk right through it. Mm -hmm. um, Herf, any other thoughts about these rooms? They, they've got tricks. We, we're going to do an episode on dark rooms exclusively, and we'll get a lot more detailed with these, especially, you know, specifically talking about how to handle being in darkness here. But mm -hmm. any other any other thoughts, Herf, before we move on? I feel like we've there's maybe more to say. No, oh, I I think we've really covered most of it. Uh, it's there's a couple of things you can do. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if Axe mentioned it, but in the first uh, crystal switch room, you usually put down a Samaria block and uh, explode it, so your little beam hits the crystal switch. Uh, what you want to watch out for there is that you don't start walking downwards too quickly because if you walk the crystal switch off screen the little beam won't hit it and it won't switch over it happened to me like 20 times already <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's it's never fun when you uh make a mistake like that and go oh that was just stupid yeah don't be too fast i know that sounds contradictory to everything else we keep telling you but don't be too fast that's right yeah haste makes waste sometimes mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah at this point you're uh you're through and you get to fight vitreous the uh oh cool the eyeball boss Hooray. because that's a so, thing in, in link to the past they're very into eyes the eyeball boss you're gonna have to be more specific than that <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so one thing that's weird, uh, real quick, the room before the boss, when you walk up these stairs, of course, you know, make sure you hit the crystal switch before coming up like Axe mentioned. There's a winder, you know, fire snake here. Uh, you can kind of walk back into the doorway. If you just barely do it, you won't actually like transition and go down the steps, but you will be out of the way so that this winder just safely sails right by you. Um, I've never been able to pull it off. It's also not super high on my priority list. I'll usually just eat, you know, a little bit of damage and walk through it. Or if I'm really worried, I'll just go around, you know, the long way in this room. And it's obviously not ideal, but, um, Vitreus can, can hit pretty hard and you want to conserve your health for that. So, um, and then there's a very helpful anti-fairy here too. So if you have powder, you definitely want to consider maybe grabbing a last minute fairy before you walk into this boss fight. Um, okay. Now, now we're ready for Vitreus, I think. One other small thing I want to mention, just for completion sake, is uh, if yeah. you watch the anti-fairy closely, it keeps bouncing off the walls diagonally, and there's also one or two safe spots where you can stand after you let the winder pass you, where the anti-fairy will also not hit you. It's a little bit tricky to figure out. I usually get hit by that thing just because I'm bad, but if you watch it closely, <laughs> you can easily figure out where you can stand so it doesn't hit you in the face. Good point. You know, now that I think about it, I've also seen people uh, dash and bonk into the wall and actually hop over this winder as it comes to. So that's that's something mm -hmm. you can maybe play around with and, and experiment with. So, Okay. All right. Now we're ready for Vitreus. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, want me to take that one? Um, let me... St I want to start with my favorite strat. And I, I can't say I recommend this, but it has saved my bacon a few times. And it's a little <laughs> something I like to call the turbo controller. Not mm -hmm. an actual turbo controller, but my, my thumb acting as a turbo controller. You just go in the corner and you slash your brains out. And if you do it right, and if your sword is strong enough, eventually you'll move on to the second phase. Yeah, that, that works. <laughs> it's, again, I, it's not ideal. It's not what I would recommend. But if you're a fast masher like I am, I'm, I'm a drummer, so I can really fast. Um, it could save your life. All right. Well, uh, I, I guess I'm just going to fire off what I think here. So there's a couple of different strats you can approach this boss, depending on what kind of equipment you have. Um, I think the easiest way to deal with this boss is for me at least, the bow. If you have the bow, uh, you can stay at a safe distance and just start firing your arrows upwards. I believe if you don't have silvers, the small eyes take three arrows, maybe two, I'm not 100% sure. And uh, the big one at the end will take seven, so make sure you have enough of those arrows if you want to go with that, or be prepared to switch to a different weapon. Uh, the silvers just decimate this boss. Every small eye takes one silver arrow and the big eye takes two silver arrows. It's probably, if you have the silver arrows, it's probably one of the easiest boss fights in the whole game, I would say. Isn't that weird that it takes two silver arrows? Like this, isn't that like the only boss? Yeah, I think Vitreus is uh, the only boss that has that much health that you need two silver arrows to actually. Other than Ganon, obviously. Yeah, but, I mean Ganon, yeah. of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's 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 the big eyeball that takes two arrows. The little ones only take one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so as Herb was saying, if if you're like a, a pro strats sniper, you can come in and charge up a spin slash so that you're strafing and just you know line line each one up, kind of Galaga style, like we did against uh, Lamless. Just just like one right after the other, just snipe all 
uh, nine of these little eyeballs, just one mm-hmm. right after the other. Um, and that that's absolutely, without a doubt, the fastest way, if you're lucky enough to have the silvers. Yes. Now, um, that's not always going to be the case, uh, so let's talk about some alternate alternate strats. So, uh, an alternate strat, if you have the cape, is uh, just, you know, go into the room, fire up your cape, and just stand there and slash your heart out, as you were saying earlier. Just don't do it in the corner, do it right in front of them. Your uh, sword will hit as many eyes as it can, thanks to, to the wide arc of your sword. And uh, the faster you slash, the less magic your cape will take as well. That's a little, I don't know, glitch, caveat, whatever you want to call it, of the cape. If you're quick enough with the slashes, the magic consumption will be reduced. So uh, you can just go crazy ham on those eyes and kill them relatively quickly, especially if you have a high-level sword. If you have uh, the cape and the boots, you can do my favorite strat, which is just fire up your cape and start dashing from the left to the right and then from the right to the left all the way through the eyes and you'll get them pretty quickly. Uh, Again, especially if you have a high-level sword. With the added bonus of sometimes even getting a hidden on the big eye when it crawls out of the goo looking at you. Uh, I'm not actually sure if that counts towards the like second phase damage if you hit him there or if it just blinks because you're hitting it and that's it. I've yeah. always wondered that too. Actually, I'm not I sure. Uh, one thing to note though is that goo stuff does hurt you. So if you don't yes. have the cape... Don't be like me, because I did this once. I was like, oh, well, I don't have the cape, but I have gold sword, so I'm just going to go up there and slash away. Wait, why are all my hearts gone? Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Though... Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just, we probably should have mentioned earlier that there is a, a dangerous poison that uh, Vitreus and these little eyes are sitting in, which is why I would go to the corner and slash in desperation and not just like run up and, and do it, you know, <laughs> right where they are. Because there's a there's a reason for that. And that's also why if you have the cape, then that's that's a valid strat. Um, you know, I guess probably the cane of burner would be an option too, but the, as we've mentioned in the past, that's gonna lag things up pretty bad. It's good, gonna make things pretty much go to a crawl. Yeah, so. and uh, Cane of Burner also makes it so you can charge up a spin slash, which is not the worst in this case because you can just slash a lot, but it, it you know it still kind of costs you a little bit of damage, I guess. Yeah. Um, but speaking of the poisonous goo around Vitreus, there is another more pro strat, I want to call it, that you see a couple of people do, which is they're going to start charging up a spin and then they hurt themselves in the poison because the, the goo does less damage than getting hit by the eyes or anything like that. So you get hit by the poison, you charge up a spin slash uh, while you're invincible, and then you spin as many of the small eyes as you can, doing as much damage as you can. Uh, which will give you enough invincibility frames to not get hit by the eyes and only take the reduced damage from the goo. But uh, it, it can get very confusing and kind of tricky because you, you're never really sure when your invincibility frames run out. So, And I might just poke you before the poison goo can get to you and that'll cost you a lot of hearts. So this is definitely a little bit more advanced, I'd say. Yeah. So let's talk for a moment about Vitreus's attacks. Um so uh, in this first phase here, while these eyeballs are alive, they're basically going to take turns uh, floating out towards you and then floating back to their home base in their little you know poisonous pool. So the, the way the motion works is sort of weird, though. It's, it's very 
consistent, uh, you know, uh, path that it takes. And then if you hit it, it bounces back a little bit, but it'll keep coming back at you, which is why if you spam slash, you can hit it and it'll bounce back, but it comes immediately back. So if you're spamming it fast enough, you'll hit it two, maybe three times in a row before it finally retreats and goes back to where it was. Um, so just keep that pattern in mind as you're fighting and, and don't think that just because you slashed it, it's going to change course. It's probably going to keep coming at you. So you need to either keep moving or slash again. Now, again, there's nine of these eyeballs, so it can get pretty overwhelming if you're moving around a lot trying to avoid them. And then, of course, there's the final aspect to keep in mind, which is the main eyeball every you know, 10 to 15 seconds or so is going to shoot a jagged lightning bolt in the center of the arena, not unlike uh, Aghanim does every four or five turns. So you'll want to be very careful of that. You can get lucky and it can fork in such a way where you can stand in the center and it'll miss you. But um, mostly just kind of avoid the center of the room would be my advice. So you're not getting hit by that. Any yeah, other thoughts about the attacks? Uh, no, I think you covered it pretty much all. I was just going to say you don't want to rely on the lightning forking in exactly the right way so you can stand safely in the middle. It's it's probably not going to work out that way. Yeah, that's more you just happen to get lucky and that happens. Not really something I would aspire to. Uh, a small, interesting little thing that I just want to quickly mention is that the lightning actually has a hitbox, which means if you shoot an arrow just as he shoots a lightning at you, uh, the lightning, uh, the arrow will hit the lightning and get carried out of the room. It looks pretty fancy, but it helps you nothing. Oh wow, I've never seen that. <laughs> I think I might have a clip of that on my channel. <laughs> Neat. Um, so is there anything else we want to cover on Meyer? Well, uh, let's. so we've talked about the first phase. Second phase, after you kill all of these eyeballs, uh, the screen will rumble, and this big eyeball is going to jump up and start bouncing at you. This is very straightforward, very simple. First of all, the poison is still active, so you don't want to go up there. You're going to stick to the bottom half of the screen. But uh, this thing's going to keep bouncing at you relentlessly. If you hit it, it'll knock it back, but it'll continue to bounce towards you so if you're not careful about the way that you time your spins your you know spin slashes or slashes or hammer hits or whatever you happen to be dealing with you you could mistime things and it could bounce right into you and kill you so you've really got to be careful here might not even be a bad idea to utilize your your cape or your your you know uh, other kind of safeties and invincibility items if you need to i would also recommend you know even though we're only using the bottom half of the screen you want to stay kind of higher up because of the bounce animation that Vitreus's eyeball does, you're going to have a little more success knocking it down from the top than you will trying to hit it upwards. Not to mention you'll be hitting it into the poisonous sludge that you can't stand in. So it's got quite a bit of health. It's probably going to take you a while, even with, like, say, tempered. Um, but it is mortal. So just keep slashing away. Be careful about your timing, and eventually you'll take it down. Any other thoughts? That's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, a quick go mode explanation. We already kind of talked about the Godmire, the Demi-Godmire. You know, uh, you're doing the same thing you always do. You're going through the checks as normal. And once you find Big Key, you peel off the route and you make a beeline towards towards the boss, boss door. Um, the more familiar you are with the actual layout of the dungeon itself, easier it's going to be to know which direction to head to get to the door once you do find that Big Key. Um, and then there is always, you know, if you orphan that big key chest and it turns out there was an item there, you might have to consider going back. I would probably orphan that one, you know, just mm -hmm. like the Hera chest. I don't think I'm probably going to make time to go back for that personally, but it's up to you. So, well, I think that does it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, that's pretty much everything I can think of for now, at least. Nice. All right, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Um, we don't have any new fetch questions this week, but uh, I did want to give a real quick shout out to uh, we received a new iTunes review, which we very much appreciate uh, from uh, Zetnix. So thank you very much, Zetnix, or maybe Zetnix. I think it's Zetnix. Thank you for that review. Uh, if you want to leave us a review, you can do so on iTunes. It's very helpful for us. We greatly appreciate them. We, we love reading each one that we get. Uh, you can also email us at email at gomodepodcast.com if you have a question for us or a correction or just want to say hey. If you want to send in puzzlers, you know, that's been something people have done in the past. It's fun. Um, you can also uh, find us on Twitter at gomodepodcast. Uh, shoot, shoot us a tweet. We're, we're pretty active there. Um, Axe, how can people find you? Yes, the best way is through the GoMode Discord, but if you are... Uh trying to find me elsewhere i do play on twitch sometimes maybe you can see me fail to do the ice palace bomb jump and and <laughs> laugh along with me uh and that is uh, sa underscore axial uh and that's the best place to find me excellent all right hd well pretty much the same for me the gomo discord is probably the most reliable way to reach me if you are hoping for me to stream at some point you are also free to follow twitch.tv slash herfydurfy i've been slacking a lot i admit i'm sorry but uh it'll get better <laughs> and uh i'll actually be playing later today but that's uh four days in the past for those of you listening or three days in the past for those of you listening so that's not helpful to know um but you can find me occasionally streaming twitch.tv slash temp underscore is where i play and of course you can reach out uh, as these guys said on our discord um, we'll have a link to join that in the description if you want to chat along with us uh, as i mentioned you know we've been getting updates on some of the tournaments which has been cool um questions experiences with rando feel free to jump in and, and share them with us so uh that is gonna do it for us thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of go mode podcast and uh let's go ahead and mirror out